Yeah, I mean, I, I feel uh, I feel scared for every like everybody in Toronto. I mean, he could just go out and probably get he, even in the letters that he wrote. He said that he was going to get revenge in letters that he wrote. So if he gets let out, he's going to shoot somebody else. And I just hope that there's not another 13 year old kid who's going to get shot in the shot in the crossfire. A little bit hard to hear him, but that is uh, Connor Stevenson, who was uh, 13 at the time when he was hit with a bullet as he was eating lunch at the Eaton Center. And the man who shot up that Eaton Center, who killed two and hit six, including Connor, uh, has now been given a life sentence that could see him out in a whole 16 months. You see how that works? You go into a mall, you commit a mass shooting, and voila, the system gives you a few short years and you're back to business. And on background, um, Husbands was initially convicted on two counts, second degree murder. You know, so he got a life sentence. And then he appealed it on a technicality with jury selection. And in his second trial, he was convicted for manslaughter, which can carry either no jail time or a few years. And in this case, it's interesting because the judge did not buy his story that he had PTSD that caused him to shoot the men. And he called it what it was, a mass shooting. And so I think he gave him about as much as he can Uh, which is life in prison, eligibility of parole in 14 years. But because he's already served seven, he gets credit of 10. You do all the math, he could walk out in 16 months. Make sense? No. Joe Newberger will join us. He's our 640 Toronto criminal law expert, and I'm sure you disagree with much of what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) You know how I love you, Val. Well, you know. You know how I love our justice system. (laughs) Well, it's a good one. I got to say, it really is, but... You know, he got a life sentence, which is appropriate, because these were essentially murders. Why do we even call because, it life? It's not life. <laughs> it can be. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't but it never get is. parole. Yeah. Well, people don't get parole that easily these days. And so he'll be eligible for parole. But depending upon how he is in the jail, there's two people dead, many other injuries. He's not going to get parole that easily. It's going to be a number of years. It won't be at a year and a half. It just won't be. Huh. And he's got a record. He's got other issues. So we're looking at an individual who's going to spend time in jail for a significant period of time. And the judge rendered a decision which is appropriate given to the gravity and severity of the offenses which he committed. Because he also has a couple of other charges because he's got an aggravated assault charge um, and he won't, you know, so that all factors into this. But, you know, this whole process, I mean, I I was working in the courts when Christopher Husbands was going through. That's how long it's been going through the courts. And so here you've got this case that, you know, tumbling and turning around. It got uh, an appeal going on that technicality with the jury. So I think a lot of people look at it and go, what took so long? Well, you know. It does take time to go through the system. So there were a number of issues. There was a jury selection issue. There was an issue with respect to the defense of PTSD and whether that was a proper mental offense that would qualify, uh, sorry, a mental defense that would qualify under Section 16 of the criminal code. And so it got ordered back for trial. But here's the issue. He's been in jail. Mm -hmm. And is it not better that our system work in a proper manner to ensure that people get a fair trial and that the cases are decided on the facts so that everything is done properly. That is really in all of our interest, because as much as the grieving families feel that this is not right, there is a life sentence, there is a conviction, there's recognition of the offense that this individual committed, and he's going to serve a lot of time. And it's not going to be out in a year and a half and just walking around the streets of Toronto. That's not going to happen. So I think in all in all, The system has worked well, and the Crown can still appeal. Now sentencing is completed. They still can can appeal the verdict of manslaughter. 
Well, do we really want to go through this again? Jeez. And, and you're right. They, yeah, I know. They could do that. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Do you think they'll appeal? They may. I mean, this is an interesting issue. So from a psychiatric perspective, can PTSD in these circumstances suffice for a diminished capacity to a manslaughter? You know, I don't know. And I think it's a debatable issue, which the Crown may want to appeal to the Court of Appeal to get their input on it. I think I, w- I would rather leave it alone and not have a Court of Appeal decision on it. And uh, this is one of those outliers. I don't think this is the norm. Um, I think PTSD in certain circumstances can lead to a mental health defense or a diminished capacity defense. And in this case, the judge gave a 25-year sentence. I don't think he's likely to get parole for a long period of time. So everybody probably should step back, take a good objective view of things, and then probably just let it you know, go its own course. Because, again, what everybody has to understand, including the listeners, I don't think this individual is going to get parole anytime soon. Music to my ears. And you'll have to forgive me, I'm choking a little bit here. I wanted to ask you about um, this comedic uh, case in Quebec, if I can get it out. Uh, This this comedian who's been ordered to pay 35 grand and another 7,000 because he used um, a genetic disorder of a teen uh, to use it in his show. And so he's been ordered to pay because of the human tribunal case. And he's saying, no, I'm not. I'm going to fight this to the Supreme Court. Where does this go? Do you actually get the sense that he'll win, or does he have a case? Well, you know, human rights uh, tribunals across this country have been a bit of a joke over the last several years. You know, we had that case of the transgender individual out in B.C. with respect to, you know, waxing issues. and Jessica Yeneva. That was, like, insane. Yeah, but they entertain these crazy cases. Right. That's what disturbs me. I mean, you know, when we talk about comedy, and even though it may be distasteful to some people, when we have, you know, political censorship of this, you know, what is politically correct, we ruin comedy. It doesn't mean it's not harmful. Nobody wants to hurt anybody. It's just comedy. Whether we laugh at it or not, we have to allow this in our community and our society. I, so I think this has no legs to stand on. But, you know, who knows? I've been very, very critical of human rights tribunals over the last couple of years especially as a result of that decision. But they're the go-to thing now. Everyone goes to them. If they can't get their case in court, they go to this, and they get their ruling, and that's the problem. They're being used so often. Right, because it's a kangaroo system. It's a joke. Right. I mean, I, I, like, let's go back to that decision just for a moment and measure it against what this, this comedian has to go through. That decision was about a transgender individual who went to somebody, a female, to have some part Several. Well, she wanted her, her unit waxed by... He did. He did, let's yes. Be, let's be yes. No, no, yes. He did. And so the initial ruling was that they had to essentially comply. Otherwise, it was a breach of his rights. And frankly, that's a forced sexual assault. So let's think how stupid of a decision it was for that tribunal. Now, let's go forward to this comedian. You know, comedy, free speech. Can you really be dragged to a tribunal for that? I think this is beyond the pale. But I don't leave anything out of the purview of these tribunals because they go over their back to try and accommodate positions which are really, in my opinion, quite absurd. And I, I hope you agree with this. So I think Obviously. you know there may be a challenge there. But once it goes to court, I think it will be shut down. Hopefully it sets a very dangerous precedent. I agree. Mm. You know, and, and we get to a stage where in life, what can we joke about, what we can't joke about? And, you know, humor is about bringing in all sorts of things that are uncomfortable. 
but it makes us look at things in a different framework. Sometimes we laugh about it. It doesn't mean we don't take it seriously. It doesn't mean that we don't have sympathy for people. It doesn't mean that we don't, we're not concerned about racial issues. But sometimes we have to laugh at things in life in a different way. You mean have a and sense that's of humor? good for all of us. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd love to have a sense of humor these days. but I think you do, Alan. Well, I do, but you, all, you can't hear it, Joe, or I'd be, uh, I'd be with the Human Rights Tribunal as well. Thank you. That's why I'm not. That's well. why I'll call you. <laughs> I may well be before them now. That. <laughs> all right. I got to let you go. All I right. appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care. Have a good weekend. That is uh, Joe Newberger. Why did he have to remind me of Jessica Yaniv? Oof.